first down, they hand off to Marlon Mack. Huge hole, 50-yard line. He's at the 40, still going near sideline. He's at the 10, he's at the 5, and he will score. Touchdown, Marlon Mack. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. And again, it's picked off. It's Darius Leonard. Leonard with a second INT. And he's streaking down the near sideline. He's at the 40. He's at the 30. He's at the 20. He's going to go. A pick six for the Maniac. Horseshoe is back, baby. The horseshoe is back. What is going on, Colts Nation? And welcome back to another episode of the Bring the Juice Colts podcast. Well, unfortunately, the season is over. The Indianapolis Colts go to Buffalo and they lose by a score 27 to 24. Colts had a lot of chances in this game to potentially win this game. Derek Larger with me as always. Derek, man, talk about an emotional roller coaster, not just of this game, but a roller coaster of this season, man. It seems like this game perfectly epitomized this season, right? You know, you think about it. Team shows immense talent going in against the, I would say, the hottest team in the AFC and going toe-to-toe with them every single point of the way but ultimately falling short because of some miscues, because of some key moments where they just didn't execute. And how fitting is it that it ends that way as well? So a little bit of an, a little bit of an unfortunate kind of, I know there's a lot of emotions running high yesterday, especially in our post-game stream. Lots of people blaming a lot of other people. So here we are, Derek. We're, we're recapping it, and we're going to do this recap a little bit differently. Yeah, we're going to do our normal thing. We're going to look at everything, every aspect of this game, talk about why the Colts lost and all that stuff. But, you know, since we don't have another game until, you know, coming here pretty coming here like months down the road till the 2021 season, I thought we'd do a outlook for the Indianapolis Colts going in now to the 2021 offseason. Lots of questions the Colts are going to have to answer. Lots of decisions they're going to have to make on players, whether they bring them back or not. Uh, but we're just going to talk about just the outlook for the team moving forward. And we'll obviously get into all that stuff later on in the offseason. we got a whole offseason to discuss all this stuff with all you guys. So, Derek, let's just get into this game. You know, we're not going to harp on it a whole lot. I mean, we, uh, we talked a lot yesterday in that post-game stream about it. But first off, man, you just you just got to start with just the missed opportunities, just missed opportunities in key moments where, you know, if you if you do one of these things, it could have changed the entire outcome of this game. What are your thoughts there on those? Yeah, absolutely. You talk about missed opportunities. You know, you deal with uh, with Blankenship missing a field goal. Right. And the amount of times that we're inside the five yard line and, you know, just not being able to score touchdowns. Those are always the big ones. And then. You know, not only missed opportunities were big in this game, but also with, you know, a few small blatant mistakes that cost the Colts several points. I mean, we talked about the Kamoko Ture offsides. The Buffalo Bills yeah. would have kicked a three, uh, kicked a three, would have, you know, still been, it would have still had us losing or, or it would have been tied. But I mean, at least then, you know, things would have been different. But, Instead, Buffalo capitalizes on it and then gets a touchdown out of it. So, you know, things of that, yep. you know, and it, it's been that way for a couple of games this year that, you know, our own costly mistakes is what's putting us in here. I mean, you know, there were not many games this year that Indianapolis was, you know, that was never had a chance in any of the games that they played. We were in this for yep. every single one. It was just, again, it's like you said, all throughout the season, the Colts beating themselves as why these games are close. And, 
<laughs> that's that was you're right. Another ultimate example of it on on Saturday. So weird to say Saturday, not Sunday. But uh, yeah. yeah, so it, you're right. Just more costly mistakes, and uh, hopefully this Colts team can learn from them going into next year. Yeah, for sure. And there's it does something to players who have been on this roster now to to lose a game like this where you really felt like we should have won in so many different ways. But yeah, it just was one of those games where if you had to tell me, ask me, okay, what would you say was the main reason why they lost? I'd say just lack of execution in those key moments. That's what it was. And people will blame the coach. People will blame all this stuff. But ultimately, it comes down to the players executing, right? And we know that the NFL game, even though the Colts don't want to be a momentum type of team, we know that you know if you do, if you get that, for example, that Michael Pittman you know just miss on fourth down. If you get that, completely changes the game. If you don't jump off sides, Kamoko Terry doesn't jump off sides on fourth down. Boom, there you go. That's that's four points that you allowed there. You know, say he makes that field goal, then it's just three points, but you allowed seven points instead. Boom, that's another four points right there. So, so many little things, but you said it, Derek. The Colts were not outmatched in this game, and that should be encouraging moving forward into the 2021 offseason. You went toe-to-toe with the hottest team in the NFL, I would argue. Maybe you could say the Green Bay Packers, but they are certainly the hottest team in the ASC, no doubt. And you went toe-to-toe with them, and you should have won this game. You were with them the entire game. You had a chance to go down and win that game. You did. You had all the opportunities in the world to win that game, and you just didn't. You beat yourself. I would say the Indianapolis Colts didn't get beat by the Buffalo Bills. The Indianapolis Colts got beat by themselves, right? The Colts beat the Colts in this game. I would honestly say that. But respect to the Bills because they were a very good football team. I'm not just going to say the Bills were awful, and we, but, but we really should have won this game. We really should have in every single aspect uh, because the offense was humming, man. The offense was humming this entire game. Let's just pull up the stats here. Let's look at this. Let's dive right into this. Phillip Rivers had 309 yards passing and two touchdowns, had a 95, 93.5 quarterback rating. Hines and Taylor had over 70 yards apiece. So you ran for over 150 yards. Uh, Michael Pittman had a really, really good day. He had, he had five catches for 90 yards. Uh, he looked good. Jack Doyle had seven catches of 70 yards. So your offense was humming the entire game from a statistics standpoint. I mean, you really were out gaining the bills in, in running the football and passing the football. You were doing a really, really good job at that, at, at really having a really balanced offense. But you mentioned it. You go down in the red zone two times, you score zero points out of it. That is not going to win you football games in the playoffs. It's not. You can get away with it against the Jacksonville Jaguars, right? You can't get away with it against the Buffalo Bills. And that's what happened. And, and then this is something we have said through this podcast. If you play these elite teams, you can't do what you've done against some of these lesser competition. And we saw it, and it came back to bite the Colts ultimately, which is just a real bummer, you know, because it's like, man, we played them right, I felt like. We did exactly – we played better, I feel like, than I, than I thought we would. Yeah. I mean, honestly, we did. We played better than I I, w- I thought we would. We only lost by three points, but it should have been a win based off of how good our offense was playing. Yeah, absolutely. And this was the question that we had all year, right? Remember all the way back to the first week, we were saying, how does it feel to know that the Colts are having issues at the, at the one-yard line? You know, it's been an issue all season long, and it comes back to bite us uh, really badly in the playoffs. You know, it was a problem all year, and it never really got fixed a lot of the time. And, yeah, I mean, again, you're right that 
this team did everything necessary offensively and statistically to to win this game. Just at the end of the day, it came down to lack of execution at pivotal moments where it was needed. And, you know, of course, there's always blame on the coach. There's always blame on the quarterback. I get it. You know, we're and I loved the people that are calling us the Reich and Rivers homers because we failed to mention that, you know, they should be gone because of their role in this loss. No, that that doesn't make us homers. That just makes us up. That just makes us optimistic, and it also makes us realists. I mean, just because somebody loses a game does not mean five minutes later we're going to just start calling for people's jobs because neither right. one of them deserves to have their job called. And you know, Frank Reich has already stated that he wants uh, Rivers back for 2021. He already stated that. Is Balor going to listen to that? We'll have to see. But my guess is it will. But, I mean, again, the the statistics of where – and here's the funny thing, too. I'll go off on a little bit of tangent here. That at that one-yard line, people were complaining we didn't take the points, right? Okay. So who is to expect that we actually would have stopped Buffalo had we taken that points? Let's just say we took the points, right? We're at the two-yard line. Blanket chip kicks a 20-yarder. It's, it's an easy chip shot. Okay, so we're up by six. It's, I mean, people just are automatically assuming we would still have stopped the Bills. What if the Bills still would have went down and scored a touchdown? They still would have had the lead on us going into halftime by one point. So, I mean, again, like, I know we're doing the point battle here, but either way, it doesn't matter. Buffalo was still going to be beating us at halftime if they had scored to begin with. So, I mean, you know, people – playing yeah. the blame game and not really listening to the uh, the real numbers behind it. So again, like you said, lack of execution. The decision to go for it at those points was right. It's just the team didn't execute it well. I mean, that's I mean, that's not on the coach's fault. That's on the players for not doing it. And I'm sure they know that yeah. and you know, they'll look back at it, I'm sure, but yeah, so again, hopefully the Colts take advantage of that this next year because you know we're we can't struggle again in the red zone like we did this year this team is too good up front and offensively to struggle this bad in the red zone right for sure and you know like going back to that fourth down play just for a moment here like if rivers would have put a little less juice on that you're people are calling Reich a genius. I'm just going to say it right now. People are saying, Oh, that was ingenious. You take seven instead of three and who even, and like you said, like with the bill scoring, who even knows if he would have made that field goal, the way Blankenship kicked that, that second one, you know, he missed a 30 some yarder. Who knows? You don't know. You go for it and you know, you pay the consequences, whether that be good or bad. If it was good, people would be calling Reich a genius, but now people are calling him an idiot. Like it's just how it goes. It's a, it's annoying. But really, it's crazy to think the Colts lost this game. Because let me just point out some offensive stats from this game. The Colts led the time of possession by almost eleven, almost 10 minutes, Derek. 34-17 to 25-43. They dominated it. They took basically that entire third quarter. Like I remember that. I was just like, holy cow. The Colts are running this down on this drive alone. And they outgained the Bills by, you know, 
over 70 yards offensively. I mean, the passing yards are about the same, about 300, but the Colts dominated on the ground. They ran for like 70 more yards than the Bills on the ground. 27 first downs to the Bills, 22. Uh, so the Colts did a really, really good job. And Philip Rivers didn't even get sacked at all in this game. Yeah, I so, mean, if, if, Josh Allen didn't throw, if Josh Allen wasn't running, then that run game for Buffalo was non-existent. In Absolutely. Right. Yeah, you're right. Let me pull up that stat real fast. Yeah, I mean, Allen was a leading rusher with 54 yards, and the second best guy had 21 yards on seven carries, so only three yards and, a carry. And what did and what did what did Bills Mafia say all all week long that you know the Bills don't like to run the football? They they don't they don't like to run the football. They don't have to because their passing offense is so legit that they don't have to run the football. I mean, right. and, you know, I think the Colts understood that. You know, I think the defense did as best as it could for as high-powered as this Bills offense was. I mean, yep. I think they did as best of a job as you could do for a defense that's coming into circumstances like that. Yeah, you're right. And we could just move over to the defense now because I think that's a good transition. Uh, yeah, I thought this defense did a pretty solid job on Josh Allen. Josh Allen made some crazy plays. Like, that's just the kind of guy he is, the type of player he is. We knew that was going to happen coming in. Like, I wasn't surprised when he'd roll out. I was like, he's Josh Allen. He's essentially like, that's what happens when Patrick Mahomes rolls out. You're just like, you know, he's probably going to make a crazy play. That's just who he is. Josh Allen certainly did that. But I thought overall the Colts did a pretty solid job on him all day. I thought they did executed the game plan they were supposed to. He had 300 yards, but it's not like Josh Allen – really was like going crazy. They, they did a pretty decent job there for a while uh, to, to kind of corral him. Honestly, I felt like they did. Um, now, they weren't perfect by any, any means at all. I mean, they still allowed, what, 27 points in this game. So that is still some amount. And, and Josh Allen had some really nice throws, especially that bomb to Stefan Diggs. That was kind of frustrating from a defense's perspective. But, you know, overall, I don't blame the defense for this game at all because we knew how high-powered the Bills were. Like we knew coming in that the Bills were going to score points. Yeah, I just I, I again, you know, that maybe the only thing I would blame the defense for is that fourth down, and that's Kamoko Ture. That's not just the defense. That's Kamoko Ture. You need to be smart. You need to be disciplined in that situation. But overall, I I actually was okay with what the defense did in this game. You keep Buffalo to twenty-seven points. Your offense has the chance to win that game. I mean, yeah. 27 points is not a lot of points. I mean, ask any of the best teams in the NFL right now, three of the top four scoring offenses in the league at this moment in time are in the AFC, and these teams are averaging, you know what, like 35 points a game right now. I mean, right. Buffalo is, the Ravens are. I mean, the Ravens didn't score 30 points today on Tennessee, but, you know, that's just how it went. How it went. I mean, it actually is incredible that Tennessee actually held the Ravens to only 20 points. That's what's weird about that. Um, but yeah. then, you know, Kansas City averaging 35. Green Bay over here averaging 38. I mean, the, the Colts, we we said if we can keep them under 30 points, this team has a good legit shot of doing it. I mean, I didn't think we would hold them to under 30. Like I said in my no. prediction, I thought it was going to be 35-31. I thought there was going to be a lot more scoring than that. But, you know, the Colts, again, did a, as good a job, I'd, I'd say, honestly, a better job on defense than what the Bills did. I know that they gave up more points in the end, but there were a lot more points left on the board by Indianapolis than there, were Buff, than there was Buffalo. Yeah. And, 
you know, we knew that there was going to be some big plays, you know, Josh Allen's ability to escape and, you know, to just throw the ball the way he does is just tremendous. There's it's good. There's going to be some plays to happen, but you know, only a couple of them really happened in this game. And for the most part, the Colts made them earn every drive that they had to get to score points. So, I mean, this defense and yeah, one of the other things they didn't do a great job of was consistent pressure on Josh Allen. That's kind of difficult to do, you know, with the way he's able to escape. But there were a couple times in the first half that, you know, he had to escape out of the pocket when he didn't want to. Autry's hand was in his face a lot of times. And on that last drive by the defense, two sacks in the same drive by the Indianapolis Colts, one of them thankfully being like a 22-yard loss because Josh Allen decided to fumble it. So, I mean, you know, this defense did what it needed to do to give the offense a chance. We just didn't convert. Yep, that that's it. But yeah, I would say that is something that we're going to talk about in this offseason a lot, the lack of consistent pressure and more so from the defensive ends, right? More so from yeah. the defensive ends. It's been that way the whole year. Like they've they've had some really good games and then some like where are they type of games. Yeah. But I would say yeah, that was definitely something that, you know, continued to open my eyes like okay, you know, that's going to need to be addressed probably in the offseason. Is an edge rusher or two. I don't know. But but we'll get into that later like I said. But yeah, overall, this really should have been a a win. It really should have been, but it we beat ourselves. Been. We beat ourselves, and you know, Blankenship's also to blame as well. He missed that thirty some yard field goal. You make that every day, like, and there was pressure. I get it; it's a playoff game, but like, do what you're supposed to do. Uh, and you know, he can't be abstained from the blame either, in my opinion. So, uh, you know, everybody was to blame. It's ultimately a team loss, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how about Isaiah Rogers? Let's talk about Isaiah Rogers real fast. I'm excited to see the future with Isaiah Rogers. He showed what he can do with that hurdle in the, the kick return department. We already know what he can do. But that dude almost had two interceptions in back-to-back plays there. Mm-hmm. If it wouldn't have been, you know, first off for that, I believe it was the offsides or, or something like that. There was a penalty yeah, was of some the offsides where we thought he intercepted it at yeah. first. Yeah. Yeah. And then he comes back and almost has another one. Like, I'm like, man, maybe we should have played Isaiah Rogers a little bit more in the regular season. I think that dude was all in there. I mean, just when you look at his closing speed, that's just what's so impressive because, you know, I said it in the offseason so many times that Isaiah Rogers, when you're that fast, you can never outrun a guy like that. Isaiah Rogers right. will never get burnt by somebody unless it's like Henry Ruggs on an out route. That's the only time he's ever going to get outran by anybody. And that was why he was in the plays. Like as long as if he doesn't get, if he just doesn't have flat feet and he has a decent read on the ball, he's going to close. If that ball's not perfect, then that ball's going to have a hand on it by Isaiah Rogers. So I think you're right that like this off season, it might be a good idea to see what Isaiah Rogers can do. Maybe he actually use him more than just kick returns. And then, yeah, he finally got a chance to return one, and he just said, dude, I'm about to destroy y'all. Just watch this. <laughs> he almost hurdled two people, man. That was crazy. And that was such a good energy spark there, too. I don't know whether or not the Colts scored on that drive afterwards, but, I mean, that was such – that, and especially in that moment too, right, where I think Buffalo actually took the lead on us and everyone was like, okay, well, here we go. How did the Colts respond? 
And then that kind of thing, that makes that just flips momentum straight back because it just leaves you in awe. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I liked what I saw from him. He continues to flash, man, when he's given the opportunity. So I definitely want to see him get more of an opportunity at corner this uh, this next season. I'd love to see that. I think he's definitely earned some look there. All right, well, you talked about the future a little bit, so let's just transition there now to the last part of what we're going to talk about here in, in this kind of recap slash into the off-season mode type of podcast. So let's talk about the Colts' future real fast. So I was thinking about this today, Derek. So you think about the Tennessee Titans who won the division. They got beat by the Baltimore Ravens, right? They are locked into Ryan Tannehill for the next couple of years. We know they gave him that extension last offseason. They are locked into him now. And we saw without the run game, Ryan Tannehill kind of suffered, honestly, today mm-hmm. um, when it mattered. Um, so I think – First off, we can start with the quarterback position because the Colts are not locked into a quarterback for the next three, four years. The Colts have so many options this offseason. You mentioned Phillip Rivers uh, potentially coming back, and who knows, man. I mean, after looking at his press conference uh, yesterday, him in tears, you know, maybe that's just the emotion of the season being done, but some people were speculating, could that mean the end for Phillip Rivers? Like, could he retire now? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Um, but, you know, saying that, the Colts have a lot of options and a lot. There should be a lot of optimism because so many ways the Colts can go this year. I mean, they showed they're a playoff team, right? They have a lot of really, really core foundational pieces in place, right? They have a lot of ways that they can go and they have a lot of cap space too this off season. I'm excited. I don't know how you feel about this team, but I am so excited for this team. The young core that we got, the, the, the last rookie class we got, really injected some life into certain key positions that we needed. I'm feeling really excited, man, for this team. There's, they're very young. They're very talented. They've only got a couple guys that are over the age of 30. I'm feeling good about this team and their future. If they can just find that star quarterback, man, the sky's the limit. You're absolutely right. And, you know, and who's to say they even need a star quarterback, you know, because you said it. This team is still so young. There's so many – different guys that are going to continue to just get better and better. I mean, freaking uh, DeForest Buckner being added this year, we saw what he did to this defense. And to know that he's in, he's going to be 26 next year and he's still in his prime, I mean, he's going to only potentially get better. And, you know, Darius Leonard the same way, Bobby Okereke the same way. And then you flip to the offense. You know, Jonathan Taylor now with a year under his belt, and he – with with wonders of whether or not he was even going to be the starter to begin with and ran for 1,300 yards this year. I mean, this the kid is just phenomenal, and the offensive line's going to remain mostly intact this offseason. You know, Michael Pittman starting to show light at the end of the tunnel. He seems like he's figured it out as well. I mean, you said it, so much youth and so many got young guys contributing and guys just going to get better and better. I mean, whether we bring Rivers back or whether we go with Eason or whether or not we draft a quarterback this year, you know, Ballard is playing with a lot of with a lot of household money here because he has a lot of different he has a lot of freedom to do what he wants because you're right, the roster is built the way you want it right now. I mean, Ballard doesn't have to make a a, a big splash anywhere else on the roster, really. He just has to find the quarterback situation. That is the big one. That's the one that everyone's going to talk about. What do you do? Do you trust Philip Rivers at the age of 40? 
or do you go with a another guy in the draft that you feel could be the next guy, or do you have trust in Eason? I don't know. I mean, it's, I mean that's why Ballard's getting paid to do what he's doing right now because he's the one that's ultimately got to make that decision. So, yeah, I mean, we're, we're going to have to just figure that out as it goes along. I, I agree. You know, I think there's three positions that I look at right now that you absolutely need to address in the offseason. You already mentioned quarterback. That's obvious. Left tackle is the other one for me on offense that you need to figure out because maybe you get Costanzo back for another year. Maybe you don't. But I think regardless, you've got to start grooming that guy. So maybe that's a first-round pick. Maybe that's a second-round pick. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Also, the edge rusher is the other one that we talked yeah. about. That Your defense cannot you know, do what they do without having another dominant guy out there. They can't consistently do it if you're not consistently getting pressure. DeForest Buckner and Grover Stewart can only do so much, right? If you don't uh-huh. have guys that are dominated on the edge – your defense is going to suffer, right? That's just kind of the defense. And it's all predicated on pressure, right? If you can get pressure continuously, then your zone defense works a lot, lot better. So that those are the three positions for me that I would say I'm really wanting the Colts to address and look at addressing. There's obvious other ones too, that you could throw in uh, maybe wide, maybe another wide receiver, potentially depending on what you do with TY. Even if you don't, maybe you add another wide receiver, I know you're getting Paris Campbell back, but he's obviously struggled with some injuries here the first two years. Maybe tight end. I mean, we haven't talked a whole lot about tight end. You got Mo Ali Cox, you got Trey Burton, both contracts expired. You like what they bring? Do you bring them both back? Or maybe you try to do, maybe you try to draft the guy. I don't know. Uh, you know, maybe you get some more depth on the offensive line. Maybe you get another corner. There's a lot of things potentially that you could do. But I would say, yeah, for me, those are the top three. Those are the most foundational pieces to having, you know, really a Super Bowl contending roster is having those key positions like that. So I think that is the biggest thing for me moving on into the offseason. Derek, did you have anything else you're thinking like looking forward to this offseason? We're right at the beginning of it for the Colts. What are some things that you think are must this offseason? Yeah, you mentioned with the left tackle and the edge rushers. I think that's going to be the big ones. I know we were talking about a couple weeks into the season that cornerback looks to be another thing that the Colts need to address. Honestly, I'm not as concerned about it as some other people are. You know, we saw what Xavier Rhodes has been able to do this year. Xavier Rhodes, a top 10 corner this year when you look at the numbers sake. And TJ Carey, a reliable piece. Uh, Rocky Sin still learning. Isaiah Rogers showed some flashes in that game. And then we forget Marvell Tell is still there. You know, Marvell yeah. Tell hopefully comes back this next year and, you know, decides to play this year. And we were thinking that, you know, in five games that we saw Marvell Tell in at the end of the season, Marvell Tell was looking really good. He had showed a lot of promise and he's a lengthy guy that, you know, we really wanted to see this year, but ultimately chose to opt out due to, uh, everything that was going on this year. So, you know, I think the depth of the cornerback position is solid. I think we uh, don't have to worry too much about that going forward, at least not for right now. If Ballard wants to invest that into um, into a late-round uh, late round pick, then I don't mind it. You know, you can always find a couple gems there. But, yeah, I mean, the left tackle and the edge rushers is the big ones. and then. You know, another another two positions that you uh, could address that's not a huge concern, but something that you probably could look to improve on 
and I'm going to steal this one from Zach Hicks because I agree with him, that uh, it's another coverage linebacker. You know, somebody mm-hmm. that you could opt into place outside of an Anthony Walker and be confident that somebody is going to be able to play in coverage much better than Walker does. And another another receiver would be nice. You know, there's a couple guys there that, you know, you can find a receiver late in in the uh, rounds that, you know, make it, make it worth your while. You know, fourth, fifth, sixth round guys, there's a bunch of guys that you can pick up. And, you know, Ballard has found some guys late in rounds. Uh, I mean, Deion Kane was a very good wide receiver when he was drafted, just ultimately had those issues that just never really panned out for Indianapolis, but the talent was still there. It's just how, how that all works. So that's really what I'm looking forward to going into this off season. Mm-hmm. You mentioned wide receiver. Like I see a lot of potential free agent wide receivers that really interest me, honestly, like Allen Robinson's one, the big name that'll probably be linked to the Colts. Kenny Galladay is another one potentially uh, there, you know, Chris, Chris Godwin as well from Tampa Bay. He, I always liked him potentially could be another one. So there are some guys there that I feel like you could potentially not use a draft pick on. Maybe you still do uh, that. You could bring in and could really be a, a solid number one receiver that maybe you've been looking for uh, that. You've kind of been lacking because obviously T Y Hilton has been hurt and all that kind of stuff. You know, just one of those true, guys that scares you, that guys that defensive coordinators are going to have to plan for. Mm-hmm. I think that is a big difference that that they could add. They could add a whole new element to this Colts offense with or without Phil Rivers, you know? Like, just getting a guy like that that you can throw the ball up to, I think that would just help so, so much for this offense. I think wide receivers definitely should be there considered for the Colts. But ultimately, man, you know, the, the future is bright. This was a tough loss. You know, all losses are tough. We all suck. We all are emotional after games. But you know what? We were the number seven seed. We weren't supposed to go win in Buffalo. And to have it be to that point, man, where we basically should have won that game, I'm encouraged because we weren't outmanned. You know, we weren't, from a talent standpoint, we were right there with them. Now we just got to put it all together. We, we got to take an offseason. We got to improve. And we'll be back. I, I really think we'll be back. Yep. Yeah, you're right. And, and I don't anticipate there being seven teams in the AFC next year that go 11 and five and make it that difficult to get into the playoffs again. Right. You, think, you think about it like any other year that would easily get you like the number five seed any uh-huh. other year, but it's just, that's how crazy the AFC was this year. So I I'm definitely hoping next year is a little bit more favorable for the Colts there. If they find themselves in a similar situation there, but uh, yeah, man, I, you know, it sucks. It sucks that the season's over, but it's been a really good season. A lot of fun stuff. We've seen a lot of guys grow in certain ways, and it's really exciting to see the future because there's a lot of young guys, a lot of talent on this roster. If you can find those positions we talked about, I think, man, you have a really good shot to make a deep playoff run next year. Absolutely. Alrighty, Well, that'll do it, guys. A little bit shorter recap. We're going to go and start ranting about all this stuff. You know, we got it all out yesterday. We just wanted to be really like candid. This is where we're at. We think we have a really bright future and we're excited for it. This loss sucks, but hey, all losses do. We'll be better. We'll be back next year and better than ever. But alrighty, that'll do it for this one, guys. Thanks so much for Derek and myself. And as always, go Colts.